Hello. What's up, you tongue-punching fart boxer? Yes, yes, that's all the things I am. Okay, here we go. This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. Last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema psyops, which exploits women and men alike, to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to Cinema PsyOps. Staying home and trying to call in from Skype because he's a lazy piece of shit. It's Matt. Driving's hard, especially when you're high on everything. (laughs) Yeah, well, a little behind the scenes here, folks. He actually works super close to where I live, so it wouldn't have added that much time to his driving. He just didn't feel like doing it. Well, except for I only got one car. So then somebody has to pick me up. I have to take him all the way home, and I do not live close (laughs) to you. Well, you could have taken a lift here, and then you could have taken a lift home. And actually, I no longer work all that close to you. Oh, really? I switched buildings, remember? I thought you actually switched buildings that are closer to me now, though. No, I switched buildings that are farther away. Oh, okay. So I'm the asshole in this situation. Well, aren't you usually? (laughs) No, it's still you. It's still me? (laughs) It's eternally still you. (laughs) Always still me. I think it's kind of both of us all the time. Yeah, so the sound quality this week is going to be shit. The effort put into the episode is going to be shit because Matt had to take a little break. Oh, I'm sorry. No, actually, it's not so bad. It sounds somewhat okay, and I don't hear the noises coming through just yet. So I guess we're okay for now. Just wait till I stop start dropping farts in here. It's going to be great. I think your whole excuse is you just wanted to drink this week. So you're like, I'm staying home so I can get drunk. Fuck it. Well, this month is definitely going to be drunk month for me so yeah as opposed to every other month which is drunk month shut the fuck up man (laughs) don't break the illusion don't break the illusion That's right. Yeah, so this week we're doing a, well, it's being hailed as an exorcist clone, but it's more or less an omen clone to me, it feels like, more than anything. Like we said last week with uh, the fucking pornographic art film 
that is Lorne of the Exorcist, we <laughs> we uh, we pretty much had um, more of a omen kind of thing where the, the kids and everything with the whole possession stuff. Yeah, it was a lot more omenish than anything else. Yeah, both of these, both last week and this week, and I didn't even plan it that way. I literally was just like, I don't feel like doing the notes for this Night Child movie. It doesn't have tits in it, so or at least I thought. Boy, was I wrong there. At least we have a like you know. Well, I mean, you weren't very wrong. You're just a little bit wrong. <laughs> it had nowhere near as much fun talking about and writing notes as all of the machete tongue action that I got in my movie that I got to do last week with Lorna. So that's true. Yeah, it was more fun to rip you off and not let you have a fun movie to talk about. I suppose you f- motherfucker. Well, you're gonna thank me next week, which you will definitely have to be in studio for because I gotta see the reactions on your face when we're talking about the stuff that we're doing next week. I'm gonna tease that out right now here for everybody. <laughs> yes, next week I'll definitely be in studio. Yeah, we we gotta do it, even if we gotta like figure out a way to make it work. We gotta do that one in studio because we gotta be across from each other. And we got a really great response already from Lorna, by the way. People are laughing their ass off when I do the description for this scene with the whole dildo action and I start doing the baby talk. Oh, yeah. oh God. That is just terrific. Talking about the mommy and baby thing and you're like, look, dude, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> I can't do that, man. I just, it, it, it's not good. It's no bueno. And we also have a little bit of feedback actually already from our vampire lovers. Oh, all right. We heard from a gothic lesbian about really? karaoke and the shocking lack of goth lesbians that may or may not be into that. So we'll, we'll get to that. I'm just kind of teasing that out as well here. So sounds good. We will get to that uh, pretty much right before the news when we have that segment and then right after the review, like right in there, right? We're going to sandwich it in. Yeah. We'll scissor it in, I guess you could say, right between the news. We'll scissor it right in there. The news and the wrap up of the review. That's how I look at it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you pretty much want to get this episode over with as quickly as the audience wants us to stop doing this awkward, weird pattern where we don't have each other in the studio to feed off of. This is why these episodes never work so well. I know. It's it's very awkward. I I can't see you. We should really build a webcam inter- inter- interface for this. Yeah, I really don't want a webcam hooked up to fucking Skype. I just don't want to do it. I, I know. I don't want a webcam in. I, and if I did, I would just put up a picture anyway. So, <laughs> well, I think I'm ready to go and talk about uh, Night Child, a.k.a. The Cursed Medallion, a.k.a. Together Forever. This movie has more fucking aliases than me when I'm on the lam. I didn't even hear about that Together Forever. I just heard about that cursed uh, the, the cursed medallion. Yeah, which I think is probably the best title out of all of them. But the release that we did is from Code Red DVD, the Blu-ray of that. So that's what they have it titled as, and that's the version that we're talking about. So unfortunately, we're stuck with probably the second worst title. Together Forever is a really terrible title. Yeah, it sucks ass. <laughs> which is right up Matt's alley because he loves to tongue punch those fart boxes. Yeah, tongue punch the fart box. So what we're going to do is going to take a little break here. We're going to play a promo for another podcast that doesn't want to have to follow that phrase coming out of Matt's mouth. We have a little bit of music fitting of the movie Night Child, and when we come back, we will have the trailer. You're traveling through another dimension. A dimension of not only film and sound, but mind. A journey into an auditory movie review adventure that must be experienced to be believed. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Doomsday Clock. You can extract the Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock podcast by either searching for W-Y-C-H on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, and on your Android device. Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock 
is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. So prepare yourself. The podcast ice is going to break. that song's more fitting for me or if it's more fitting for say the story of the movie but i certainly grew up evil and so was the quote-unquote night child <laughs> the night child wow did you really grow up evil or were you, i mean were you just born that way eh, tomato tomato six of one half dozen of the other but you know what i know is definitely created to be evil and a night child what's that this trailer bad segue <laughs> When Satan goes wild, so does the night child. Only this way will we always be together. Possessed into the darkest kind of evil, once the devil takes hold, every man take cover from the night child. No, Mommy! No, Mommy! The woman burning. I never did like the old lady. Sometimes I can read people's minds. Michael... You're in mortal danger. One day, she was an innocent little girl. One night, she became something else. Stop it! And God help us all. Keep saying to yourself, she's just a child. She's just a child. I love her, and she scared me to death. But this is the child of hell. Beyond the darkness, beyond the devil, watch out for the night child. And that's your trailer. And there you go. I mean, is that the same thing they, they did for The Exorcist? Just repeat to yourself, it's only a movie? No, that's what they did for Last House on the Left, though. Well, Last House on the Left, that's right. Repeat to yourself, it's only a movie was there, but this one you're supposed to read to yourself, it's only a child. It's only a movie. It's only a child. It's only a movie.
which is scarier than a movie. What, a child? Yeah, child. children are always scary, regardless. Yes, exactly. All right, well, here we go. The Night Child. Uh, a man, uh, we open up the movie, uh, the credits actually open everything up, but then a man is narrating images of Lucifer in popular art. As he does so, he comes across a picture of his wife and daughter. Uh, he notes to uh, his the nanny or the governess of the house, maybe, uh, that that picture doesn't quite belong. Uh, we see his daughter, uh, Emily, is having a nightmare of her mother dying in a fire. Her father and the nanny, or governess, however you want to put it, come up and, uh, you know, calm her and then give her something to help her sleep through the rest of the night. Uh, the very next day, the doctor is checking out Emily, and he talks to the father, and that is our first clip. Oh, Michael, it's, a, it's another nervous breakdown, I'm afraid, and I'm not surprised the child still hasn't got over the death of her mother. This is going to take time. It's going to take a lot of patience, too. Oh, that's all very well, but I've got to go to Italy tomorrow. Listen, I think Emily should go with you. Well, I should be working all the time. Yes, yes, I know, Michael. You've got your, your filming to do. But I should like you to stay as near to her as possible. This trip can only do her good. You know, this attachment of Emily's to you is, well, we would say that it has all the elements of a neurosis. If you leave her behind in London at this time, well, it could be a great mistake. Well, I suppose I could take Jill along as well. She could look after her. An exciting change of scene. And new faces, new people. Why I... Yes, all right. You convince me. All right, so everyone's going to Italy, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that doctor was pretty much uh, laying some uh, psycho babble mumbo jumbo. But what he was really saying was, "Look, I'm tired of dealing with your fucking psycho daughter. Can you just fucking take her with you so that I can get a fucking break, <laughs> so she's in another country and somebody else's problem?" Listen, your last insurance check didn't really cash through. So yeah, can we just talk about how amazing Richard Johnson's voice is? Every time he talks, I'm just I believe everything he has to say about anything. Yeah, it's pretty amazing <laughs> yeah so anyway uh the doctor just is like uh you know i have real patience not your daughter's silly little nightmares so get her the fuck out of here it is london it's like you know stiff upper lip all that they don't they don't do this namby pamby baby and of people like we do here i don't think that's the case at all i just think he's tired of this particular girl because he knows she's a hopeless case she can't be fixed and apparently the father can't be fucked to deal with his own daughter's shit which is why he keeps dumping her off on her governess who is very clearly making eyes for Richard Johnson as as you would. I mean, well, I was. I mean, I don't know what you were doing. I mean, I was kind of drooling over the governess a little bit, and then I'm kind of like, well, Richard Johnson and her, I could I could be the meat in that sandwich, sure. That's a sandwich you want to get in on, right? <laughs> right. That's a full-on hoagie. That's the kind of devil's three-way you keep your eyes open for. That's right. Um, we see they cut to like they're spending some time in a park where there are like a lot of statues, and Emily says that the statue faces fast fascinate her when she's kind of like staring at him. Uh, I only mentioned this because it comes into play later, maybe. Uh, we cut back to Michael and he is talking to a colleague and that is our next clip. That bloody picture fascinates me. Don't know who painted it. Don't know where it came from. Nothing. What does Contessa Capelli say? Well, that's the peculiar thing. She sent me that picture and only that picture without a proper history. Who's our production manager, Mo? Uh, that American girl. What's her name? Uh, uh, Joanna Morgan. Maybe she's got the information you're after. Well, I hope so. You got my three tickets for Rome ready? Here you are, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. Why three? Well, I'm taking Emily with me and the nanny. All paid for by the corporation. Well, what do you think? Remember, this documentary is aimed at a vast audience. People don't want to be bored. Yes, all my documentaries are boring. That's why I work here. It's important to point out that he works for the BBC, so he's basically 
basically saying that everything he's ever made is boring and therefore why he's on the BBC. And the BBC, you know, sucks. No, it doesn't. I'm, I'm they, they, they brought us Doctor Who and a lot of other great programming, but... Uh, I don't actually think that. I'm saying that's what he's saying. Well, yeah, because, you know, he's an asshole with a psychopathic daughter. And, yeah. I mean, I want to talk about and, you know, lust after uh, Jill Perkins, the, the governess or whatever the hell her name is. I think it's Jill uh-huh. Perkins, right? But, I mean... Yeah, if I, if yeah I, it's Jill. If I do that, then we won't get to the ever so lovely Joanna Cassidy in this film is what I'm really waiting to talk about. Oh, oh yeah, Joanne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be nice. We'll get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, Emily finds a medallion that Michael had given to her mother, and he she asks if she can keep it, and he gives it to her. He's like, yeah, sure. Your mom used it to snort coke, but you can have it. Yeah, right. And he's like, yeah, I got it in Italy. And he says it has a weird history. So, you know, why not give it to a little girl who might have a bit of a psychosis? Why not give jewelry to a little girl who has hard times detaching from you, Dad? You're doing a really good job here. Real bang-up job. While you're at it, why don't you make her completely dependent on you for everything, including sexual desires in the future, because that's where this is headed. Yeah, right, uh, right. Uh, it's kind of a little creepy. We're talking a little Lorna the Exorcist syndrome going on with daughter and daddy right now. Right. Uh, Emily finds her uh, mom's dress, and she kind of is like putting it in front of her with the medallion hanging there. Uh, and she gets a memory of her mother in said dress and wearing the medallion. Uh, Emily is crying, and her mother's like, you know, you you must calm down. Your father travels for work. I have to travel with him. We're not abandoning you. We'll, we'll be back. But uh, it doesn't seem like that makes Emily very happy. So Emily has some problems with abandonment. And the girl who plays Emily, I just want to point out, she's been in a ton of Italian films, usually uh-huh. playing the scary ass redheaded kid that acts all soulless and evil like a redheaded kid usually does. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in Deep Red like the same year that this uh, Together Forever was released. That's the really great Dario Argento flick. She's been in a lot of other stuff, but she actually, in her like later years as a adult or at least a woman of age, was in Liberto Bava's Demons. She was the usher with the super red hair and that awful green dress. If you remember watching that ages ago on one of my birthday double features, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Demons is fucking great. I can't wait to do that one on the show too. But I just wanted to point that out for everybody that this little girl that's in this movie was also the psychopathic little girl in Deep Red that was torturing lizards I think and then would end up eventually in Demons which is Dario Argento produced and Lombardo Bava directed. Nice. Nice. There you go. She saw it after. Well she does have crazy eyes and she uses them well. <laughs> and the red hair. I mean it automatically yeah. is off-putting that she has that fiery red hair. I know right? It's off-putting. Um, let's see we are at the airport now and a lady is just walking up to a random of men asking if they are Michael. That's not going to work. Maybe you just have a sign. You hold it. You say, hey, you put the person's full name. They come find you. This is Joanna Cassidy, right? Joanna Morgan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. She comes up to me and says, I'm looking for Michael. My name just became Michael. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I'm Michael. What's up? What do you need? I'm Michael, Mark, Luke, John. What you need, lady? I'll be your apostle. Yeah, one, one, guy, one guy goes, well, I wish I was. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that guy's an amateur. That's why you go, yes, I'm Michael. Yeah, that's amateur hour, my friend. Uh, she finally is able to find Michael and she states that her name, of course, is Joanna, and she is their production manager. Do you recognize Joanna Cassidy from anything? I do not. Oh, man. Have you not seen Blade Runner? I have not. Oh, my gosh. A sci-fi nerd like you, and you've never seen Blade Runner. I've never seen Blade Runner. 
What about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Yes, I have seen that. Okay. The lady that, um, fuck, what is her name? Christina Applegate's character works for in the fashion industry. That's uh-huh. Joanna Cassidy. Oh, all right. All right. Yeah, she was a model and then she became an actress and she became a damn fine actress. If you do ask me my damn self, I would say uh, that she's quite good. Damn right. Yeah, but like she's quite lovely. She's unbelievably lovely, especially in these earlier films. But she pops up in a lot of different stuff, and you'll probably notice her from a lot of other things. Another thing, too, uh, she was Eddie Valiant's girlfriend in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, too. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Wow, look at that. Which I would say is probably her finest acting role. I really enjoyed her in that, not just because I have a thing for women dressed up in that kind of old-timey garb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you, not, that's not the only reason. I mean, I do. I totally do. But she was also quite good in that film. I think she carries the better portion of it and gives some weight to Eddie and makes him a little bit more than just a drunken loser scumbag because you feel like, well, she believes in him and she still cares for him. He had to have at one point in time been someone worthwhile. Yeah, right. But anyway, Uh, enough gushing about how much I love Joanna Cassidy. I mean, (laughs) I'll be here all fucking night saying about how amazing I think she is. So, All right. Well, anyway, we come to the car and we have a bit of flirting going on between Johan Anna and Michael. Uh, then Emily snaps saying she's not feeling well. Of course not. She's jealous that dad's into another woman that's not her. Well, yeah, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hold on. When Joanna asks what they should do, Michael says, let's pull over there. And right when he says, let's pull over, Emily has this sick little smile on her face. So Emily just, you know, saw her dad enjoying a female's company and she got totes angry about it. Yeah, because she wants to be daddy's only little girl. She doesn't want yeah, anybody uh, else filling that hole position for him. No, nobody gets to be to daddy. All right. So anyway, uh, cause now she seems totally fine that she gets to ride up front and they pull up to the villa. Um, we have a little dinner time stuff. Uh, Emily seems concerned. Uh, Emily and her dad are talking about his work uh, and he actually s- states he's a very progressive father as he states the devil doesn't even exist. It was just a story made up a long time ago. So man, that's progressive for back then in the seventies. And you know, atheism was on the rise so i suppose he's also very clearly an educated man so i'm sure he came to that conclusion very early in his life and he doesn't want to do the damage to his daughter about the whole devil this devil that shit yeah that's true uh emily is heading to bed and that is our next clip all right all set i feel wonderful this has been the most terrific day of my life good well i'm gonna go out this evening I'm going to see a real countess in a real palace. You won't be late. You'd better be asleep by the time I get back. Betty, come back soon. I'll tell the countess I've got a young lady waiting for me at home. Inappropriate. Super yeah. fucking inappropriate. Yeah, that's the reason why I chose this clip. It's so innocuous, but I'm like, it's so fucking inappropriate. And it paints the picture of this very unhealthy father-daughter relationship. Or if you're from, you know, the place that I grew up, it could be considered extremely healthy. Oh, God. <laughs> He's trying a little too hard to keep his daughter off the pole later on in life. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. That is just terrible. Likers. That's the kind of girl that is going to grow up and when she's 25 starts dating a 65-year-old man. (laughs) But only after her actual father dies and she needs to replace him in some way, shape, or form with another man. Exactamundo. Looking for uh, the place, uh, the Countess's home, where he's supposed to be, he encounters, this must be just the alley of the unfortunate. He encounters a three-legged dog and a man who's blind in one eye. I would call that the this is the alleyway of the unfortunate. Either that or it's a future Alice in Chains album cover. Something like that. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Here comes the rooster. Um, <laughs> Different album, but yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Michael meets the Countess uh, and also begins the filming of his documentary, and that is our next clip. Countess Capelli? Mr. William, a Capricorn, born in early January. Please call me Michael. Somebody's been telling tales about me. No, I read between the lines of your letters. Well, I'd like to thank you for all the help you've been giving us with our documentary. Without you, it wouldn't have been possible. You're very kind. However, the real reason I came here this evening was I'd like a little more information about this picture. Oh, yes. I was afraid you'd ask me about this. Your office pestered me about it. Well, it's the only one you sent us without documentation. I don't know how that slipped in with the others. Certainly, I had no intention of sending it to you. I suggest you don't use it. Well, I'd like to open the program with it. You have so much other material. Michael, take my advice. Leave it alone. Contessa, I'm not very good at insisting, but I've set my heart on it. It's that important. What fascinates you? The style? It's not great. The design on the devil's wings? Or this? This is what it is. Isn't it, Michael? The woman burning. It reminds you of your wife's death, doesn't it? I don't understand. How do you know about her? Sometimes I can read people's minds. This painting, your fascination with it, what it means to your life, forget it. It can only bring you grief. Contessa, it's only an old painting. Believe me, don't be like so many people who are too reasonable to accept what I say. When I sense danger, Michael, there is danger. I'm sorry to insist, Contessa, but that painting is important to my program. I'd be most grateful if you'd reconsider and tell me anything you know about it. My dear Michael, please don't be impatient. The reason you shouldn't have received the slide is that I haven't finished putting it all together myself. Well, is there anything you can tell me about it? The painting is said to have appeared one night either, either miraculously or diabolically. Miraculously or diabolically. And there's nothing else you can tell me. I will see. Give me time. But remember, I shall do it against my will. Are you ready, camera? Okay, go. Action. The demoniacal element, the presence of Lucifer, can also be found in The Damned and in The Chosen by Luca Signorelli, which we find in the chapel of San Brizio in the Cathedral of Orvieto. Also in this chapel are pictures which tell the story of the Antichrist, the Last Judgment, the resurrection of the body, the blessed, the advent of paradise and hell. The damned, perhaps for the nudes and the forms that vitalize it, is one of the most dramatic scenes that the 15th century has given us. The artist uses his highest qualities of design. The crude colors emphasize his intensity. Diabolical Art 47B, take one. The Chosen is in strong contrast with the hell of the damned. It is a visionary scene of the resurrection of the dead. In the hands of the artist, the human body is transformed into paint in an extraordinarily strong and incisive manner. Diabolical art, 16, take one. Here in the chapel of St. John and St. Paul in Spoleto, we have another important example of 12th century painting. Over here is the earliest known fresco to depict the assassination of Thomas of Becket. Here is the archbishop, and here, on the left, the knights sent by the king to kill him. Okay, cut it. All right. Johanna uh, comes in and tells Michael that she has found the actual painting, the painting that he is so enamored with. They both go to a location that Johanna says she was warned of demons and that people who enter will die. Michael states uh, that the 
Countess warned him not to go looking for this painting as well. But, you know, typically when you're warned in a small Italian village not to go someplace, you should go anyway. I doubt those people know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, for fuck's sakes. If nobody did the things that they were warned not to do, then we wouldn't have horror movies and they wouldn't exist. So the guy's got to not pay attention. Right, yeah. Plus... It's a bunch of women telling him stuff to do, so obviously he shouldn't listen. It's the 70s. Oh, I'm glad you added the last part in there. (laughs) Oh, because that makes it okay? Because in the 70s it was okay? No, no, no. Because you weren't talking about yourself. You're talking about him being sexist, not you. Oh, well, if I ever listened to what women said, I would never be married. Jesus, dude. (laughs) I give you an out, and you just... I don't want your You're out. like, no, no. Fuck, fuck it. This fire's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> this is the hill I'm going to die on. Don't listen to what <laughs> women say or you won't be married. Oh, my Lord. Anywho. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not how it works, but I just wanted to fucking see if I could get you shocked. It's more fun when you're yeah. here in the studio and I can see the look on your face like, what are you doing? What are you doing to us? <laughs> you're killing the show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but anyway, like, but you're right. I mean, how many times were those damn kids told not to go to Crystal Lake, but they all went and just kept going fucking back. How many times was Molly Ringwald told not to have premarital sex, but she still ended up knocked up and eating mashed potatoes, watching TV depressed? Yeah, well, that's what happens. Don't have sex, kids. And if you do, make sure it's not lakeside after smoking a bunch of pot in a place where people apparently died doing the exact same thing. You ever think towards the end, Jason was getting sick of killing kids? Like, guys, come on, man. <laughs> Why are you coming here? They actually do something like that. There's a fan-made film that's called Never Hike Alone where they deal with that, where Jason like oh, literally tries to just let a guy go because he's tired of all the people coming to investigate it and he just wants to be left alone. <laughs> but the guy just keeps pushing it, so Jason goes after him. Like, you shithead. Basically, Fuck yeah. It, damn it. They find the painting, and, and it's like it depicts kind of a, a mob chasing after a, 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 a young girl, and it appears like almost like an angel falling from heaven while the devil looks over everything. Which looks exactly how I used to paint things in high school. It's about the same level of detail, and I'm yeah. wondering why they couldn't afford a better painter. Because uh, all the money went into hiring a gingered, crazy-eyed little girl. No, I believe all the money went into Richard Johnson's account, and then also Joanna Cassidy's account. Uh, that's probably true, too. Uh, see, Michael is deeply affected by being able to see the painting in person, and they bring in in the film crew uh, to complete the documentary. Uh, we cut now to the um, Jill, Michael, and Emily are all kind of having a lunch, a lunch date. Everyone's eating, having a great time. And Johanna drives up and tells Michael that some of the film that they had filmed earlier is now ruined. He must go, but Emily pleads for him to stay. Uh, she gets very angry when he leaves. Uh, Jill tries to placate her by saying he want to get some ice cream, all that, and she just she won't hear of it. So again, yeah, so healthy. She's jealous because, you know, daddy might be interested in a vagina that's not hers. Because that American slut is taking her father away. Well, that would be a less appropriate, yet still less offensive way of saying it than me. Weird. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There, uh, we see as they're reviewing the film that there is a figure in the shots as they keep going. Uh, It proves to be the same shape of the child from the painting, the running child. Um, The uh, they say that they're going to have to reshoot it as this is even showing up on all the negatives. Yeah, it's uh, a child that shows up at night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike... <laughs> 
Nightchild. <laughs> Nightchild. That's a perfect title. That's so much better than the Curse Medallion, which makes more sense. By George, I think we have it. Let's let's just go and don't bring George into this. It's not his fault. <laughs> uh, Michael calls home and also goes out with Joanne, and that is our next clip. Hello, Michael. I see. We were expecting you. It can't be helped. You want to talk to Emily? Just a moment. I want to spend every moment with you. With no one else around. Just two of them. Must change. Something will change. You'll see. Only this way will we always be together. Emily? Who you talk to? Nobody. You're smoking. Of course. What do you want? Your father's on the telephone. Daddy, he's not very nice to break promises. Can I wait up for you? You're with Miss Morgan, aren't you? See you tomorrow. He's not coming back till very late. I know. Trouble with the film. There's always something or someone. What are you trying to say? Nothing. Sure, when I got it in the can, I'd have to be owner of Kodak. Mm. We could set the joint on fire, <laughs> couldn't we? <laughs> yeah, sure. Michael. Uh, can I buy your phone? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, Would you look at so serious about It's really none of my business. But don't you think that... Chill is a rather sad companion for Emily. Mm, how do you mean sad? I get a feeling that she's always gloomy. Well, she has to carry the burden of Emily's grief. Emily's never been quite the same since her mother died. You can understand that. She's in love with you, and you don't even notice. Oh, come on. She's been around for a long time. She's a friend of the family, fond of me, that's all. The idea's never occurred to me. Are you sure of that? I've never been sure of anything, except that I think we should... Leave this fattening food, get out of this restaurant, and come back to your place. Now. <laughs> she's a family friend. It is nothing for you to be concerned about. I mean, even though she's a governess and I've clearly had sex with her, and Emily's jealous of her because of that, there's nothing for you to worry about. Anyway, enough of this fattening food. Let's uh, go back to your place and uh, have sex. <laughs> we cut to Johanna's place, or hotel room, and the two are relaxing and cleaning up for some sexy times. Uh, we get a little side boob action in this, so I guess thanks, movie. Um, when the actual sexy time kicks in, you get a little bit more than side boob. Yeah, a little bit more. Not a lot, though. Enough. Makes me happy. If you want to see more of her, you should definitely see Blade Runner. Okay, gotcha. Uh, let's see. As they head back that very early that morning, it's still dark out to check out the painting. And as they're trying to kind of determine what could have ruined the film, the statue crashes down. At the same time, Emily wakes up from a nightmare and starts going full paper clips, uh, just like going nuts. Uh, Michael finds a double-edged sword that was being held by the statue. Uh, we get more cut That's back to more. That's not a sword. It's barely a fucking dagger. It's barely a dagger, but it's supposed to be a double-edged sword. What it is is pointy at both ends and kind of phallic for the handle and supposed to be sort of cross-like, but this is a wicked fail for this quote-unquote double-edged sword. Yeah, yeah, it's not... It, 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 I agree. It's It's... Barely a dagger. Roman swords are looking at this and laughing at it. You have knives in your office that are more dangerous. <laughs> Everyday carry knives are bigger than this fucking dagger. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure Crocodile Dundee would be disappointed by it. That's not even a knife. That's a fucking letter opener, that is. 
I don't know. That wasn't quite Australian. With more Cockney than anything else. It's because of Richard Johnson. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. Uh, so then uh, we, we get Emily Moore freaking out. She's hitting Jill. She's throwing things at Jill. She's just got crazy eyes. She's trying to jump out of a window. This is why you don't have kids, folks. This scene right here. And then Michael finds a cloth. And in that cloth is the identical medallion to the one that it, he gave to Emily. The medallion that was initially given to his wife. Yes. He, of course, runs back to his place where the nanny is now sent for the doctor. Uh, as soon as Michael gets back, the doctor is there and has sedated Emily. Uh, so uh, that's been an active night. So this doctor is all like pissed off because he knows that his colleague that is over in Britain was all like, this motherfucker sent her over to me. Yeah. This is the third time he's done this this fucking year. I'm so tired of this shit. Should have just fucking euthanized the kid. He sends me all the goddamn gingers. <laughs> that's offensive to redheads. I know. I have one, so. <laughs> you kind of were one, too, at one point. I don't know. No, I've always been blonde. <laughs> Never quite a ginger, but I have a lot in my family, so it makes sense. Uh, Michael and the nanny are talking the next morning. She is scared and she wants to leave, but Michael kind of calms her down to talk her out of it that they need her there. Listen, I, I know you're very much into me, sexually speaking, and if you just stick around for just a little bit longer and deal with my psychotic daughter, maybe you'll have a shot to ride on my junk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use your feelings for me against you. <laughs> well, that's what men are supposed to do. They're supposed to use the feelings that a woman has has for them against them. That's how it works, right? Damn, that's fucking sick. Well, how else do marriages work, Matt? You respect one another and work together to a common goal. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious? Yeah, yeah. You really better hope Bev never listens to the show. <laughs> um, yes, because I'm joking. <laughs> wait, how did that go again? You're what? I'm joking. <laughs> joking. Are you reading that off the palm of your hand? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're all supposed to say yes. I was buying it. No. No, I'm not not reading it off the palm of my hand. I'm confused. All right. You did it. Good job. You saved it. Yes. Another successful gaslighting. <laughs> Make it all about her fault. Do you have any idea how accusing me of such a thing makes me feel? <laughs> Men are terrible. <laughs> yeah, but until they wise up, we're going to keep getting away with it. Anyway, back to the That's mess. right. That's right. And uh, Emily comes out. She said she said the worst nightmare she's had yet. Michael and the Countess talk, and that is in our next clip. I've heard of coincidences, but this is absurd. Be scornful, Michael. But when you bought this medallion, you became part of a pattern that will be almost impossible to break. No, it was a coincidence. I bought the other one purely by chance. By chance. And your wife's death by fire. Was it an accident? Contessa, the police investigated the incident and the coroner brought in a verdict of accidental death. No, some hateful force killed her. But that could be from the first medallion. But the presence is too strong. Some human being. Michael, you're in mortal danger. This is really absurd. Three women love you. But there's a fourth presence. An overwhelming hatred. A force. As natural and strong as an earthquake. There is death by water, flame, or both. A journey, most likely home to London. And... Contessa, you really expect me to believe all this stuff? I'm not in the habit of frightening people. I don't get much pleasure out of it. Well, let's get back to the subject of my visit. Have you got any more information about the painting of the villa? 200 years ago, a child died there under mysterious circumstances. How, nobody knows. Her body disappeared. 
The painting appeared the same night. No one knows who painted it. Thank you. Now I can finish my documentary. Michael, the little girl who died so mysteriously, was called Emilia. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So is he obsessed with this painting because it is predestination or is he obsessed with this painting because of the spooky unknown origin story that's going to make a documentary finally not be fucking boring that he's worked on? I think it's all about the documentary at this point. If you want to go more of the spoopy supernatural route, then it's all about the spoop and the fact that it's preordained for him to be cursed by this omen like child of nighttime appearances. Something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not anything to do with the cursed medallion. No. Only the child that appears at night. Yeah, right? Ugh. The <laughs> cursed child at night. The night child. Dude, we have a whole new name for this movie. The night child. <laughs> How about this? I got I got it. I got it. The cursed child who wears the cursed medallion who wants to be with her father forever. Movie. No, 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 no. Together forever. Together forever. That'll trick the women into thinking it's a romantic comedy. Then the men will know that it's not a romantic comedy. It's perfect. We'll get everybody to show up to the film together forever. There you go. All right. Now we're going to make big buck. Big buck. Uh, here. Joanne and Jill are watching Emily play. Uh, Joanne uh, asks for a cigarette and Jill says in her bag and she finds a pic of Jill and Michael with someone cut out. Joanne asks if it's Emily and she said no. Uh, she Jill goes don't be silly. Uh, she would be back in London tomorrow if it weren't for Emily because she loves, she loves Emily. Uh, Joanne says that we all need to, that they all need to try to get over the death of Emily's mother. Uh, that she's going to plan a fun day for tomorrow and that uh, she never saw that pic. And, uh, em- and as we see this as they have this convo Emily is watching the whole time like the creepy little kid she is. Oh, it's simple. We'll get over the fact that your mother was horribly burned to death by just giving you a fun afternoon in a public park. Yeah. That'll fix you up, right? I mean, that's that'll that'll do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be great. Yeah, no problems there at all. Once again, all good is new. And then, you know, I can marry your dad. And then this Joanna side piece lady can be left behind in Italy and everything will be fine. <laughs> and you're all going to be happy. Uh, so they are out now for a nice day. They're playing, uh, is that bocce ball that they're playing there? I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, they're, they're bocce ball. It's an Italian thing and they're kind of just throwing it and then they all chase after it to see who gets closer to the other balls or something like that. Right. And they're using mallets to do it. Oh, they're doing it with mallets. I, I always remember bocce being like a toss thing. So maybe I it's think there's like, there's, there's mallets involved too. I know they're using mallets cause they have them anyway. Uh, then Emily wants to play hide and seek. And as everyone goes, out to hide. Jill comes to a edge of a cliff. As she's just kind of looking, she turns around and we see one of the bocce mallets push her off the cliff. She goes over uh, uh, and she falls in some water and she gets swept away by the current and she goes over a waterfall and dies. Okay, if you're going to use a mallet to kill somebody, why just push them straight on like that? Why not do a wide swing across the top of the head? They didn't have the makeup to you know, put all the blood out there and everything? Shh. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry, Why? My bad. Why didn't they just fucking hit them in the head with a mallet? You don't even need to yeah. show the blood. The first hit's free. Just one swipe. They hit her with the mallet. She goes over the cliff. Exactly. I don't know. 
I can't tell you, man. If you've ever, I wish hit, I had the answers for you. If you've ever actually hit anyone in the head with a hammer or a mallet, your first hit's free without blood spatter. Oh, is it? Nice. I don't know that from personal experience. I'm just saying. Just stop, dude. They already know where you are. They're coming for you. <laughs> You'll f- never find anything on me. I'm the one hit hammer killer. <laughs> uh, at her funeral, Jill's mother states that she had gotten a letter from uh, uh, from Jill and said she was scared and frightened and wanted to come home. All the while she freaks out, uh, you know, Mr. Comforter McComfy guy, Michael, is like, no, it was an accident. Don't worry about it. Just an accident. You just gotta live with it. It's an yeah. accident, ma'am. You just get like, dude, shut the fuck up. Listen, uh, just look here at this light that is made of gas. It's uh, absolutely nothing for you to uh, worry about. You're just clearly suffering from hysteria. Hurum, hurum, hurum. Exactly. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Uh, Michael gets Emily home, and she doesn't want to go back to Italy at all. She hates it there. Joanne calls him, and she offers to be able to go to Italy with him to help with uh, Emily. So that makes him very happy, and, uh, you know, she says she'll also provide a good time for him, too. So, you know, obviously... Wow, chicka, wow, wow. Well, he was clearly getting bored with Jill because she wasn't fulfilling her governess duties of banging the man of the house like all governesses are expected to do as part of their detail work. Yeah, she wasn't giving him any blo- uh, any of the blowies. She was uh, trying to look for a long-term relationship and not just be used as a sex object. How dare she? Yeah, weird. Women want to be respected and treated like human beings and not objects of male gratification. That's odd. Okay, okay, feminists, we get it. (laughs) Yeah, equal time for equal pay. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're ruining this country. (laughs) Uh, And there concludes the Trump portion of the show. (laughs) Um, the, uh, uh, we see the countess is cleaning the painting and as she tries, she removes dirt and other items. We see that the little girl is wearing that, that's running from the mob in the painting is wearing the medallion and is holding the quote unquote double edged sword. That's not a double edged sword. That's barely even a letter opener. (laughs) There, that's better. That was better. No, it's the same. I did the exact same thing. Okay. I'm sorry. I was trying to make you feel good. No, I'm purposely butchering it now at this point. I don't even care. Uh, it's still cockney. All right. Uh, as she is kind of looking at this, we see scenes of Emily screaming. Then the sword swoops across the floor trying to get to the countess. Quote, unquote, sword. Quote, unquote, sword. Uh, we have visions of Amelia, who looks just like Emily, putting a note in like some sort of box. Uh, when the countess opens the box, she actually finds the note. So it's real. Uh, she then has a vision of Michael trying to get in to this. Is it like a castle? Like a little castle type thing. Yeah, it's like a stately old school European manor, which probably was built out of the same type of stonework. Whether it's a full-fledged castle or like a keep or something, who knows? Yeah, right. Um, all right. And as I said, she has a vision of Michael trying to get into this uh, manor. He's yelling. Uh, she goes looking for him, but she realizes that he was a vision. So she tells the groundskeeper who informs her that he, Joanne, and Emily will be in town the next day that she will need to see him immediately. Dun, dun, dun. Emily uh, is a travel to the airport, Emily reiterates she does not want to go back to Italy, um, but Michael states it will only be a week and then they can go home. The Countess reads the letter. Now, we can't tell what she's saying, because uh, she's kind of mumbling, but it goes, everything goes back to her vision of Amelia. Uh, Michael, Joanne, and Emily get into town. Emily wants to know why Joanne is even there, uh, that there should be, no, that she felt there should be no one else. And Michael states that, you know, what what is he going to 
do once she once Emily grows up and leaves him. And then she looks at him and says, I hate you and walks away. Listen, darling, this woman is currently where daddy keeps his vagina. And until you are old enough to be daddy's vagina, you need to allow daddy to have another one. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, the way you put that is gross. <laughs> I mean, that's what Richard Johnson's character is thinking. I'm just saying it out loud for everyone. Yes, you're very right. I don't know if that's necessarily the case or if we're just putting a whole lot of sinister stuff into this because the daddy-daughter relationship in this feels a whole lot like real kind of creepy, backwoodsy, Appalachian Mountains kind of relationships. Yeah, right. <laughs> because, you know, we're two sickos who have, you know, fucking problems. <laughs> and it's the only way to keep this movie a little more entertaining. Yeah, right. Oh, my God. Uh, Joanne tries to make a friend with Emily who's uh, locked in her room. Uh, and as she says, okay, you know, you don't want to be friends. That's fine. She turns around. Emily uses like some string or something. And she actually pulls a vase off, scaring uh, Joanne. Uh, Joanne and Michael are later talking and she's asking what the devil is always depicted with horns. And they're, uh, uh, you know, they kind of are a little bit playful here about, you know, uh, you know uh, the, the hooves and why he's portrayed like this way. Yeah, he turns her legitimate question about how the devil is depicted into him trying to hit on her and get sexy again. Yeah, right. And then, after all this, it's time to make the beast with two backs. Um, as they are doing this, Emily wakes up, hears them uh, kind of laughing and chuckling that uh, Michael has to go see the Countess again. And so Emily hears that, so she's probably not very happy. Well, she knows that it's post-coitus and she doesn't like when Dad gets his dick wet anywhere else but her. Yes, exactly. And it's gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm purposely trying to make it the grossest way I could say it just to see if I can get a reaction out of you. Yeah, you are, because I'm cringing every time you do it. If you <laughs> can see me, see it. <laughs> That's the part I miss is making you physically cringe and seeing it. It's so gross. Um, <laughs> Michael, Michael visits the Countess, and that is our final clip. Oh, Michael, I have something to read to you. About the painting? Listen, Spoleto, July 24th, 1774. Dearest Emilia, I know now that it was the devil who planted the seed of hatred in your breast. He armed your tiny hand against your mother and against your sisters, Agnes and Catherine. He deceived you into thinking that you're without love, my angel. You, whom I adored more than anyone in the world. And where did you find these letters? In the villa. Well, what do you think it means? Michael, you understand now? Your wife's dead. Your child's governess is dead. You barely escaped with your life. The tragedy of two centuries ago is repeating itself. I see Emily in danger. Go to her as soon as you can. Michael, leave now. Every minute you're in Spoleto is dangerous for you and for everyone. Everyone around you. Go, Michael. Go now. And remember, the medallion is cursed. Get rid of it. Yes, it's the medallion that's cursed, not this weird psychosexual relationship you have with your daughter, Michael. Yeah, it's all the medallion's fault. Way to place blame on an inanimate object. Yeah, if that medallion wouldn't have come into place, Emily clearly would have had no problems at all. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Everything would have been fine. Everyone would be well-adjusted. Assholes. <laughs> uh, anyway, Emily sets a fire in Joanne's room. Uh, we get some more uh, views of boobs here as she was sleeping naked. Hot stuff. 
with and without the fire. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> Michael is, however, able to get into the room and puts the fire out. At this point, Emily runs away and runs into that estate manor. Um, she uh, is, again, frightened of a lot of the statues she sees. She's really freaking out. And then one of the statues appears to look exactly like Jill. And then we see a flashback. We see Emily is the one who actually killed Jill with these crazy wide eyes and really creepy smile. That actually will probably haunt my dreams for a little bit. <laughs> Would it have haunted you as much if she wasn't a redhead? No, it, it, it's not even so much the redhead. It's the eyes and the smile that do it. So that could <laughs> any hair colored kid. If you have that wide of crazy eyes and that wide of a crazy ass smile yeah, that looks almost blank behind it. Yeah, it'd freak me out. <laughs> yeah, she did look like a little, little mini Joker without all the makeup. Yes. Uh, Emily finds the painting, and then she really freaks out. And as she really focuses on what appears to be the falling lady, not the running child, but the falling lady, she starts uh, having flashbacks about her mother. We see that Emily was the one who set the fire, much like she did uh, to Joanne, uh, that killed her mother. And her mother would actually busted out of a window and fell to her death while burning. So happy ending. <laughs> yeah, this uh, crutches Emily. Emily does not look like she was happy. She killed her mother. She doesn't. She doesn't appear to know why. Uh, and uh, uh, Michael, um, as they are looking, uh, she picks up the sword and starts stabbing the little girl in the painting, saying that she does this to her, that she is inside of her, that you know this is all her fault. Michael finds her, and Emily runs to him to and they embrace. But when she does show, she both stabs using because it's a double-edged sword. She both stabs Michael and herself. They fall and they die. Uh, we go back and you see kind of like the painting and you see the devil. And then, and I have it here because, you know, I wasn't going to write that shit down because that's just fucking ridiculous. <laughs> It's from his holiness, Pope Paul the Sixth. Uh, the devil is at the origin of the first misfortune of mankind. He is the secret enemy that sows errors and misfortunes in human history. So there you go. And then, well, the credits rolled in the beginning, so there are no real credits, but roll credits. Okay, so the subject matter of the film was kind of interesting. They did some stuff that I really did dig, but without playing up the whole subplot of the daughter being sexually obsessed with her father and vice versa, the film kind of is a little stale and it's a little overlong and kind of hard to really keep your focus and pay attention to. Well, there's a whole lot of filler. Yeah, and it's like... Especially in the end when he's chasing after. Yeah, a lot of running that's, scenes filler, yes. That's that's 20 minutes that could be 10. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you could probably cut down and we watched the hour 28 minute version of this i think there's like a an hour and 11 minutes version of this like a seven that's probably minutes. would be best yeah. that would be better yeah because you could trim down a lot of stuff on this and not lose any of the story and get a good cool like hour and 10 to 12 minute movie out of this be in and out and i think it would be a lot more interesting but what you want to do is you want to keep all the shots of joanna cassidy naked because otherwise what the fuck's the point of watching the movie exactly well i mean richard johnson with his shirt off sure if you're into that sort of thing then cool well i like to just close my and listen to him talk and then I usually complete <laughs> you know and I'm having a hard time picturing like this is an Italian production and why wasn't he betting the nursemaid governess lady too like why weren't we seeing that he should just why be wasn't he betting down every woman he saw <laughs> and some of the men too he had cameramen why not yeah why not like this guy should have been just like left and right putting it in whatever wet warm seething hole was waiting for him but it just wasn't happening like he seems like he would be like macking on everybody and he could smooth his way into 
everybody's orifice that he wanted, but mostly he was just more concerned with this one painting. And they didn't even really focus enough on his obsession about this painting. It was super easy to find. Like, the lady found it for him in no time. Yeah. You know, like, he should have stumbled onto it by being somewhere else that had nothing to do with it. Or it should have been more esoteric and weird where it just all of a sudden shows up. Or, like, let's say the blind guy in the alley leads him to where it's supposed to be or something, you know? Like, pick a Anything. lane movie. It's, it's either supernatural or psychological you thriller. <laughs> you have this you have this alley of the unfortunate that you do nothing with. And yeah. It's just like, come on. Yeah, like he could have followed the three-legged dog around and then like the three-legged dog took him to this old ruined cathedral that he busted his way into and boom, the painting's in there. Or even the house that he's staying at, the painting is boarded up in a room in a basement that's, you know, or a, a room of the house that's like blocked off and no one's supposed to go in. And he's staying in the exact same villa or whatever that the original crime took place in. Something, anything. It's just a bunch of meandering and wandering around and weird coincidences and blind bums and alleyways and dogs with three legs that do nothing. I mean, what the fuck, movie? I, yeah, I just do not get you, movie. You are not helping me understand you. You don't want me to understand you. You, movie, are a preteen who just keeps telling the viewer that you will never understand and then you rush to your room. Yeah, you, you, we've clearly never been where you've been, preteen movie. Yeah. We have no idea what it's like to be a preteen. Yeah. We'll never understand you. The hormones raging and all of that kind of stuff. So just dart off to your room and listen to my bloody Valentine. We'll never understand how that one other person you met just a week ago is now the love of your life. And we've never felt a love like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, I don't know, it's frustrating and confusing. And I watched this like two times yesterday and I still was just kind of like, okay, no, I didn't miss anything. I just, there's clearly not much there. <laughs> yeah, right. There's just really nothing there. Yeah. Nothing to really dive into. I would like to see the shorter 70-minute version of this because I feel like that would be significantly more entertaining and it would move along at a better pace. I think so. It still wasn't a lot there to really dig your teeth into. Just wasn't. No, it was basically piggybacking off of The Exorcist. Now, there's a lot of other Exorcist slash Omen knockoffs that the Italians did that are significantly worse than this. But some of them get so off the wall and insane that it comes back around to being entertaining again because you're just constantly going, what? What the fuck is going on? Yeah, right? This is more like, is something going to happen? No, oh, no, that was something? Uh, okay, well, how is that? It's something, something else going to happen. Yeah, there's. it's all payoff and no setup with this, I think, is my biggest problem, is they don't lead us into it. It's just all of a sudden, boom, story dump. Where's that three-legged dog, man? <laughs> Show me more of this blind hobo. Like, you know, something, movie. Yeah, right? Something, anything. Make him like the guy who was the art critic that was looking for all these paintings ahead of time, too, and, you know, his world was ruined by the paintings, and now Richard Johnson has to deal with knowing that something you know yeah right jeez <laughs> christ anything yeah well i'm i'm done i'm done bitching about it i mean overall i will i'm not gonna say i hate it you know i'm not gonna rate it or anything like that but i mean i own the blu-ray i don't know if i'll ever be driven to want to watch this again unless i absolutely have to <laughs> yeah right i guess i'm saying if you want the blu-ray from this make me an offer <laughs> yeah <laughs> out there i don't know <laughs> right yeah why don't we uh pull the chain on this we'll play promo for another podcast that really wishes it didn't follow this movie but no shit we'll have a little bit of music befitting of the night child and when we come back we will have the news and some feedback all right i'm excited hey kids it's f13 from cinemadiabolica.com here at diabolical headquarters we have an eye for the future that's why we've stopped trying to figure out what it is you fickle bastards like and instead have resorted to directly stimulating the pleasure centers of your brains using our patented brainwave fustigation therapy created and guaranteed safe by our own professor dz wait i didn't say it was safe 
But why take our word for it? Let's look at some of the test subjects experiencing an enhanced episode of Cinema Diabolica and see what they think. All right, test subject number five, role playback. <laughs> oh, no, no! Oh, God. Oh, sh- shut down the playback. Oh, God, she's bleeding. Cinema Diabolica, dousing you with hot cauldrons of entertainment since 2007. Check it all out at cinemadiabolica.com and hear all the Pops In podcasts at popsyndicate.net. That is Naughty Little Devil by Mad Sin. I think I found something that fits quite perfectly with this film. Yeah, I think so. Because <laughs> he kept saying Naughty Little Devil in my head. So I figured that worked. It, it worked fine for me anyway. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one way I'm going to get myself out of this, Matt. Do you know what that is? Uh, I'm afraid to ask. Time for incoming all right, so we got a voicemail from Vanessa from the VD Clinic and Devour the Podcast, also on Legion Podcast Network. Now, the message said something along the lines of, I couldn't resist, so here is her response to our discussion for the vampire lover. Hello, Court and Matt. This is Vanessa, your favorite goth, lesbian, vampire lover. Um, no, I do not fucking love karaoke. I just am throwing that out there. I can't, no, your Vampire Lovers episode, I had to say a couple little things. Yes, no, karaoke, fuck that shit. No, why, why would a goth in general love karaoke? And why would a goth lesbian love karaoke? I don't get that. I have an ex who, maybe it's a reason we're an ex, I don't know. Anyway, she loves karaoke, like goth music, but was not a goth 
Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, they just don't work together. I mean, I will get up and do karaoke on like if someone is dragging me kicking and screaming and I'm really intoxicated, but I'm much more a uh, piano bar kind of uh, musical theater person. So I, I will do that, but that's an entirely separate entity. But again, that's, I have to be in a very specific mood type thing because yes, I am still a fucking goth, but, um, right. Just throwing that out there. So no, I, I don't know of any goth lesbians who were into karaoke. I, I just don't see it going. I don't think it, statistically, I do not see it happening. So your chance of offending someone, um, low, I think on that. Yeah. One of your safer bets, one of your safer bets, but, um, Scissoring? Hmm. <laughs> well, well, well. We could have an entirely separate discussion about the scissoring discussion. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to. I. You know what? I don't think I'm drunk enough or high enough on the marijuanas enough right now to have that discussion at this moment. But I did think that you needed to know that I really doubt you offended any um, goth, lesbian, karaoke enthusiasts because I don't think they're out there. I mean, maybe there is one. I don't, I, it's a very, very small statistic. But uh, hopefully they'd be self-aware. Yes. As if you care anyway about really, like genuinely <laughs> about offending people. But yeah, whatever. I couldn't. I couldn't resist sharing that. Um, yeah. Okay. And yes. Vampire Lovers, oh, so fucking good. Ingrid Pitt is so fucking yummy. Mm. Anyway, another story for another day. Okay, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> That's awesome, Vanessa. Thank you very much. Wait, wait. So yeah. what was her stance on scissoring again? I got lost there. <laughs> <laughs> she said scissoring and you passed out because you thought she was going to talk about it. Yeah. So your brain immediately shut down because you're like, too much awesome. Yeah. We're going to get the we're going to get the scoop. We're going to get the inside dealio. But then she says, no, she's not drunk and or high enough on the marijuana to talk about that. Damn it. <laughs> but Matt, just so you know. Uh, That's not a thing. Scissoring is a thing. It's a thing. Uh, So not a thing. No, it's a thing. It's a thing. Still, not a thing. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> Still, not a thing. It's a thing. Shut up. I was messaging with Vanessa after I listened to the voicemail and kind of asked her if we could get a little discussion about it. And she did kind of mention that there's something that is similar, but what we know of as scissoring that's displayed in porn films that makes you all hot and bothered. Not a thing. That's not a thing. Oh, yeah, that's not a thing. Shut up. <laughs> I'll live with my fantasies. <laughs> what was it the thing that you were like just let me have this lesbians i know it's not real but just let me have this it was one of the things that you kept saying when we first started talking about it exactly just let me have this <laughs> <sighs> yes because you know they owe you something you're entitled to it <laughs> well I i'm asking them i'm not saying i'm entitled i'm just asking them to let me have this just please for the love of god just please for the love of of anything that you <laughs> just let me have it please I'm begging. I'm begging. On this show, I'll let you have it so long as you let me have some PSYOP news. Oh, man. 
man. Let's see here. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a couple stories here. Everyone will be coming on my face. Well, that, not that. All right, here, how about this? From Chris Mounts, who's been doing some <laughs> solid work in the group, by the way. Yeah, he's pretty much doing your job for you. Yeah, solid work. Uh, apparently, cat orders might be more to bondage and BDSM than everyone else. Um, No comment. Uh-huh. All right, if you're, this is uh, from the Metro. Uh, if you are a cat-owning woman, chances are that you've been called a cat lady at some time or another, implying that you'll die alone, celibate, and surrounded by moggies. Uh, but it now turns out that that old trope could be farther from the truth. I think that's because, going in the spank bank. <laughs> because owning a cat might, in fact, be connected to a love of bondage and BDSM. Ooh, is that Acor- me getting a metal rod shoved up my rectum? Okay. Uh, according to a new study, humans who catch a condition known as toxoplasmosis... Tox- Your silicone (laughs) penis budget is out of control. That's true, it is. Uh, From their feline friends are more likely to be sexually aroused by their own fear, danger, and sexual submission. I'm going to shove the uh, porno magazine down your throat. Okay. The report is based on analysis of over 36,500 people in Slovakia and Czech Republic. Let's jack it or something. Those people are weird anyway. Uh, (laughs) Whoa, whoa, uh, just disparage an entire nation of people that probably don't listen to the show anyway. Go ahead. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Is that where you go to get cancer? <laughs> oh, uh, some, wow. And we're back to <laughs> so, dicks. Yeah, some of whom have toxoplasmosis and others who were parasite free. I'm a cunt. <laughs> and it claims to have found that individuals with the condition were more aroused by danger and sexual submission, suggesting jerk, jerk. That the preference might be a symptom of the infection. Of I'm course, for the vast another dick. <laughs> for the, of course, for the vast majority of people who enjoy BDSM, their love of being dominated will stem from the inherent sexual urge, and even as the lead author Jaroslav Flieger explains, humans will always have some kind of link between fear and sex. Did he stick the the needle down his pee hole? (laughs) The study isn't saying that cats are wholly responsible for every banker being flogged in an underground sex dungeon, but what it is suggesting is that there might be a heightened relationship between those with toxoplasmosis due to the effect the parasite has on the brain and human behavior. That or they just had a bukkake mouth party. (laughs) That was so well timed. Thank you. Apparently, around a third of the world's population is actually infected with the parasite, but it really manifests into anything and is usually symptomless. Let's it can, however, something. It can, however, cause flu-like symptoms like headaches, fever, and fatigue. And in some people, it's been linked to behavioral changes and mental illnesses like schizophrenia and bipolar disorder. This is you not the sickness with which I am bound. It, <laughs> simple blood test to see if you have toxoplasmosis? Yes. The study also went on to say that those with toxoplasma might have a higher attraction to bondage, violence, and in med, to masochism and raping. Cat owners aren't as innocent as they seem. The loving three-way with a corpse? Yes. (laughs) Wow. Uh, You want to do a little ass play? (laughs) Um, I can't tell which came first, the cat ownership or the BDSM. (laughs) (laughs) You You can't tell us? You know but you won't tell us or you don't know uh i don't know because i first got a cat when one hitchhiked its way to where my mom works and she adopted it and so a cat came into my life in those like 12 13 14 year old formative years to where i could have been exposed to toxoplasmosis and realized that i like to get hit in the head with a hammer while i'm coming that's a clip (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> I totally just said like to get hit in the head with a hammer while coming. <laughs> yes, I mean that's a that's a clip if I've ever heard one. <laughs> well, I'm not pulling it, so somebody else is going to have to pull it just to pull it. Yeah, right. Just pulling it to pull it. Pulling it just to pull it. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're real short on time. Let's do one more news story, and then we'll wrap this up. All right, uh, let's see here. Uh, this uh, is uh, oh, this is from Justin. All right. All right, this is from Newsweek. Couple couldn't conceive because they've been having sex wrong the wrong way for four years. Oh, boy. You want to do a little ass play? <laughs> a Chinese married couple who were desperately trying to conceive learned they had been having sex the wrong way for four years. The young pair whose identities have been the young pair whose identities have been kept anonymous went to see an obstetrician uh lou uh, i'm not even going to try the name after the woman failed to get pregnant despite having sex on a regular basis reported by the gain evening news afraid of vaginas during their point yeah apparently during their appointment the woman admitted sex was usually painful which prompted lou to perform a gynecological exam the couple were very young the man 26 the woman 24 they were very healthy but despite being married for four years could conceive lou said and, uh, their family was giving them a lot of stress because of it the results were unexpected. Lou oh, discovered geez. the couple from my city well, in China's southwestern Guizhou province. God damn, why did I pick this article? <laughs> had mistakenly, mistakenly damn me and for my eyes to see that article title and not go through it before just thinking, no, that, that fucking article is going to be gold. And on your rectal passage. We all know where, this is where it's heading, right? It's And on your rectal passage. Yeah, yeah, we all know where this is going. Mistakenly having anal intercourse rather than vaginal to conceive. My asshole actually sweat. Lou gave the couple a sex education handbook and within months the woman became pregnant. I make money from my sex work. The two sent Lou a live hen and 100 eggs as a gift. (laughs) I love love that they had no clue how sex works to the point where they've been doing booty sex for like the entirety of their marriage. This is why you have to have sex ed and not abstinent only training. Who could Who's going to be able to tell you how to do this? Wait, wait. What if the guy's just like an ass freak and like that's <laughs> all he wants? Lied to her years. Yeah, he doesn't want kids. He just wants to be able to hit that ass on the regular. So he's just like, baby, this is how we make a baby. Trust me. Oh, good. We're gonna make it. We're gonna make an ass baby. <laughs> uh, Clip. Yep. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> Lou gave the couple for Wang. Uh, four years of marriage, and neither the husband nor the wife knew how to get pregnant. Couples so lacking general knowledge are very rare, Lou said, but it is not uncommon for people to lack or have misconceptions about regarding sexual knowledge. Although China's alarming lack of sex education has been widely discussed issue in recent years, little progress has been made to address the problem. Mostly because Today, I put my penis inside of you bareback. That's how children usually get made. That's usually how it happens. Today, the topic of sex marines largely, largely taboo in schools. In May, Chinese students at Beijing Normal University held a demonstration demanding that the government provide better sex education for its youth. The and protest there's a lot of laying around. Held signs that read, adult videos can't be our sex education. Universities must say yes to sex education. And we want to enjoy safe sex lives. Always looking for Wang. I just realized yep. that the a lot of Wang around and always looking for Wang has a double meaning in this story. Yeah, right? <laughs> 
nice. China's <laughs> National Center for STD and AIDS Prevention found 115,000 new cases of HIV in 2015 across the mainland. Shoot some fucking Four, ropes. 14.7% of those who tested positive were in between 15 and 24 years old, CNN reported. Shooting uh, a fucking hot load all over this dog. A select, oh, Jesus, a select number of universities now have vending machines that dispense home HIV testing kits. Machines alone can't solve the problem unless there's follow-up education to help students. Uh, the vice president of Beijing's based 21st Century Education Research Center said, such education faces great challenges in China. Jing Zheng, a professor told of sociology at Beijing's university, told CNN. At, at the university, students take such education classes where they learn basic knowledge about sex safety and condom use and etc. As far as I know, this is the first time students have ever taken such a class. So, I mean, I guess in China, they really need to start getting things up there. Phrasing? Yeah, phrase. Hey, Are we not bro, doing phrasing anymore? <laughs> I really think we should bring back phrasing. I think that's going in the spank bank. <laughs> and I'm going to fuck it to death. <laughs> I just, I have this weird feeling that he knew what he was doing. Yeah, I, I kind of, I, I don't know, man. I, I just, But then again, who would want to put themselves out there to make themselves like that dumb? And earn your rectal passage. Well, how many years of butt sex was he getting before he had to finally admit that he didn't know what he was doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> and like, they now know that that's something that they can do that, you know, they won't have kids. So maybe they can, you know, switch it, make a kid, go back to the booty sex for a while. Yeah, right. <laughs> But if they've been properly educated, then maybe they could have actual sex, you know, safely after they have however many kids they're allowed to have. Exactly. Jesus. Does, does China still have a limit? I know that they did for a while where, like, you're only allowed to have, like, two and a half kids or something like that. I just want the American dream, you know, the, the wife, the house, the white picket fence, the two-car garage, and the, the 2.5 kids. We go, where are you getting that .5 from? What's that kid look like? You get to choose. You can keep the lower half or the upper half. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> doing over there he's got a job in a sideshow that's what's going on with that kid <laughs> that's a mixture of income for the family if you want a fear boner <laughs> yeah okay it's time to pull the chain on this entire fucking show because we've probably offended every single listener that we have yeah so if there's anybody left now's the time to play the ad for the legion podcast patreon <laughs> <laughs> which it really wishes we wouldn't have waited this long to play it this time around it but... really wishes it would have been played in the beginning of the show and not at the end before all the listeners dropped out on this piece of shit show yeah this will keep it quiet oh hi there i didn't see you you call me cutting a new show i'm bo ransdell and i'm one of the many creators you can find on legion podcasts i said quiet my fellow podcasters and i work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting but that comes at a cost what's that like to live deliciously not that but also yes no what i'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for five dollars, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash Legion Podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room.
too long because that fucking cover kicks so much ass. <laughs> fucking rock out! That is Dimu Bourgier. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I always say Dim Burger because I can't really pronounce it. Fuck me, I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the cover of Burn in Hell from Twisted Sister. Never before has Twisted Sister sounded as cool to me as when Dimu Bourgier has covered it. <laughs> right. Well, if you would like to help support this show, you can also support the show while doing so. And if you just check out the store, maybe all the tumbleweeds will get cleared out. Teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash cinema dash psyops. We have our main landing page for our mothership, which is legionpodcast.com. You can find us legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We have our Facebook group of cinema psyops where you can post your suggestions for the psyop news, your alternative photography of Matt doing coke off of a hooker's butt when he should be sharing it with his kid. That was hilarious. That was nice. That was good. Uh, Various other weird photos and just memes and just Basically, the main rule is don't be an asshole, don't be fucking hate speech prick, and just post shit that makes everybody laugh. Exactly. You can find me on Facebook. I am Court Psyops, where I share my face without fear. You can find Matt on Facebook. He is Matt Psyop, where he hides his face and waits for you to dox him. Jesus. <laughs> you can email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com. Here is where you can send him visual confirmation that scissoring is not a thing. But you, know, you can also send me visual conversa- confirmation that it is a thing and just let me have this. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com, where you can write a hate-filled diatribe about him joking about gaslighting and how that's not funny, even though it's something that he totally gets away with. <laughs> and he'll probably gaslight you back. Yeah, because I never said anything like that. I don't even know what they're talking about. Why are they making you feel this way? I don't know. I mean, do you have any idea how that makes me feel when you accuse me of some of those things that you just said I did? Yeah, right? You can find both Matt and myself on Twitter, where you can twit a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on that hate-filled shit fest of a platform. I'm at court underscore psyop, and he is at psyop Matt. Really, the only reason I'm on there right now is because of the friends that that's the only place that I can contact them and to watch AOC, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, because my God, that woman is fucking rocking Twitter right now, and it's so much fun to watch. She is damned amazing. Definitely. Well, you can also slide into our DMs at any of those locations and send us photos that is visual confirmation that scissoring is or isn't a thing. Either way, we want to see photos of two ladies rubbing their naughty bits to each other, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean, why not? Who doesn't want to see that? People that aren't into ladies rubbing naughty bits to each other? That's true. Well, if you're out there rubbing your naughty bits against someone else, make sure you're doing it with their consent and kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. (laughs) 
Killing game first. Yeah.